This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm Eric D. I'm Matt Baum's booking agent. You're listening to Two-Headed, Two-headed Nerd. Comic cast with Matt and John. Joe. Sort of break it down like good. Welcome to episode 80 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, September 5th. We're back, suckers. My name is Matt Baum, at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter, and when I'm not vibrating like a junkie, after damn near two weeks without new comics, I still don't know why Superman porked Wonder Woman. I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog and appraising comics for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, <laughs> at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter, and when I'm not accepting the full brunt of the responsibility of running a website and desperately trying to hold on to listeners while my co-host drinks himself down the West Coast, Pretending to be 21 again. Guess what? You're almost 40. I know. I'm not the only. (laughs) I'm not only the only thing keeping the show alive, but I'm also the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. I had a dream. We just had to restart the tape because Joe Patrick messed up his intro so bad. I had a dream that I couldn't remember how to do this and kept screwing up my vocal cues, and you (laughs) threw urine on me. (laughs) What? Yeah, I could. I ate something spicy before I went to bed. This week, you'll hear in-depth reviews of Green Lantern Zero and Lookouts Number One. And then we'll review 10 comics so fast, you'll ask yourself how in the hell did these jerks maintain listeners for 80 episodes, even without a two-week break during the ludicrous speed round. After that, we'll enter an arcane world of sorcery and super science when we divine the secrets of next week's comics during our visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. And then finally, we'll solve a riddle that's been plaguing one lucky listener's whole damn life during our monthly Ask a Nerd segment, because apparently we count Sundays on the show, not Wednesdays, and this would I don't know how many times I have to tell you. The second show of the month. Don't ask me how it works. I count on the big brain four-eyed nerds like Dainty Joe Patrick to do the math, because as loyal listeners know, I'm just the eye candy of the show. Before we get to all the horseplay and boisterousness, let me assure you that while we were on hiatus, absolutely nothing happened, and there was nothing to recap, and we can get straight down to the business of talking about this week's Big news. Marvel has released four more one-word teasers for four new Marvel Now books launching in December. The first teaser, released Wednesday, was the word lightning, framed by red crosshairs with the creative team of Daniel Way and Steve Dillon attached. Then on Thursday, Marvel released a second image featuring the word survive, splattered with blood. The creative team for this mystery book will be Dennis Hopeless, writer of the recent Legion of Monsters miniseries and the X-Men Season 1 graphic novel, and Kev Walker, artist of Thunderbolts slash Dark Avengers. Avengers? <laughs> Finally, on Friday, another pair of teasers hit the net. Killers by Sam Humphreys of Ultimate Comics The Ultimates fame, and Ron Garney, artist of pretty much everything at one time or another, and Wanted by Dennis Hopeless again and Invincible Iron Man's Salvador La Roca. Nothing concrete has been revealed as of this recording. The Survive teaser could mean anything, but rumors have been swirling the internet about the Punisher joining a team book following the conclusion of Greg Rucka's run. Hate it. Perhaps the Lightning teaser is pointing to a new Thunderbolts book headlined by Frank Castle. Hate it. But kind of interested. Another rumor had Salvador LaRocca attached to a new Guardians of the Galaxy title, but it seems like a given that Brian Michael Bendis is tackling the Guardians' comeback. Matt, what do you think? I think the Punisher thing is probably going to happen, because it seems more and more that we are slowly being steered to the Punisher getting captured in his book. 
Like they're getting closer and closer to him. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't been reading. It's it. great. I love it. I absolutely love it. I don't want it to end. Greg Rucka is doing such a great job in that book. I don't know if I want him as a Thunderbolt. It's it just like. The Punisher shouldn't be a superhero book, in my opinion. Well, here's the thing. It's kind of dumb for them to take over the Thunderbolts, yeah. convert it to a new title, only to bring it back. Right. Why not just keep Thunderbolts going or launch Dark Avengers as a separate title? You know, I don't care about Dark Avengers at all. I really don't. And right. I liked Thunderbolts. It just kind of steered off and it lost me. I have no idea what to think of the Survive. I don't have the slightest clue. Well, a lot of the Marvel Point One uh, stuff has not been announced yet like uh, something with cable right and something with the three young miss america chavez kid loki and uh wiccan i thought they told us that's gonna be a young avengers book no just rumors for now oh so i don't know uh, maybe this is a cable book maybe this survive thing is a cable book but i doubt it i just i will tell you that this wave of teasers is way less exciting than the last wave of yeah. teasers. <laughs> and weirder. Way weirder. And Marvel was not as quick with the answers. Uh, I expect that by next week it'll be clear. Probably. Because uh, that's usually how they... So the news is there is no news. Well, yeah. It's just... <laughs> Sorry, kids. We don't know. Hey, <laughs> look. Listeners. What do you guys think they are? You know? Contribute a little bit. We do all the damn work around here. In Hollywood news, Jeff Waldau, director of the upcoming Kick-Ass 2, hinted this week that Jim Carrey had been cast in the role of the Colonel in the sequel, seeing as Jim Carrey is not a celebrity anymore. Deadline.com then confirmed the news as official. The Colonel is based on the character in the Kick-Ass 2 comic series called Colonel Stars, a former mobster that turned against crime and later formed the team of misfit superheroes that recruited Kick-Ass to their cause. Whether Carrie's version of the character will command a horrifying genital-devouring hound like its comic book counterpart is still in question. Joe, and I mind you, I say that he's not a celebrity anymore because what was the last movie Jim Carrey did that made any money? And the, yet, the number 23? Yeah, I think, wasn't that like, was that 23? I don't know. It's been years, man. He is not a big presence anymore. I, you know, I don't have anything against Jim Carrey. I don't either, but I don't care about Kick-Ass 2. I don't care about Kick-Ass either. I'm, I hated Kick-Ass 2, the comic. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't care for it either. And I barely tolerated Kick-Ass 1. I thought the movie was better than the comic, actually. Uh, I like the comic better. But... I, I don't know. I'm just not that into it. I'll watch it, but... Yeah, I'll just, go. I'll give it a this chance. This kind of thing doesn't get me excited. Like, saying Jim Carrey... Arguably, Jim Carrey, the biggest star in that movie. I guess. Other than McLovin. Yeah. But, I don't know. I I'm, love that we can't name McLovin. I, I can name him, He's but like, I choose not he, to. He joins, like, a fraternity of people like Stifler, you know? <laughs> I, I, can't, I, I can't name Stifler. Yeah, I know. they like, just I'll like, oh, oh, you yeah, Stifler and McLovin. Yeah. <laughs> And finally, here we go again. Barely a year after David E. Kelly's version of the character was euthanized before hitting the air. Euthanized? They killed her? <laughs> Vulture.com is reporting that the CW is developing another Wonder Woman television series. <sighs> Vulture reports that the series, which has a working title of Amazon, will be a Smallville-esque origin series following Diana's early days. <sighs> Rumor has it the person developing the script is none other than Alan Heinberg. Okay, that's rad. Former Wonder Woman and Young Avengers comic writer and creator of the OC, Matt Baum's favorite show. It's not my show. favorite show. I did like it, though. I admit it. The series is in the very earliest stages of development, so we won't see so much as a pilot episode for quite some time. Matt, 
I know how much you love teen melodrama, but is this a good idea? I think it could be really cool. I think if they play it... Really? Like, Smallville with Wonder Woman in it? Time out. I think if they play it... You can do more with Wonder Woman, I would argue, than you can with Superman without screwing a bunch of stuff up. I think... It could be a lot of fun if they play it like old school Wonder Woman. If she's on the island with the other Amazons, they dress like they're in ancient Greece and stuff like that. And it's just this hidden place. And she, yeah. you know, I mean, like, but you know, it won't be. It will be yeah, Wonder Woman. It will be I Diana know. as a teenager coming to an America and having to. Well, but you do the fish learn, out of water thing. Uh, oh my know? God. I don't want to watch that. <sighs> yeah. I don't want to watch that. And I'm not saying I trust That's the CW. That's not what I want from a Wonder Woman TV show. Fair enough. And I'm not saying I trust the CW to do anything right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to admit something. I kind of think Arrow looks like it might oh, be Oh, shut fun. up. It's going to be terrible. It looks like it might be it's fun. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> it's going to be mean, extreme, Oliver Queen. That rhymed. It's going to be bad. <laughs> we're kind of down on the news this week. Yeah, we kind of are. Maybe it's because we're recording on Saturday morning instead of Friday night. Let's bring it back up. Joe Patrick made me get up at the crack of nine today. <laughs> well, bad news travels like wildfire. Good news, travel slow. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where Joe and I have penned a short treatment of our own TV series for the CW, starring a two-headed Midwestern freak of nature sharing the same genitals. One head's a straight-laced nice guy who's secretly gay, and the other's a dangerous loose cannon who's secretly gay. But the two find a way to work together in their quest for justice while dodging their true feelings for each other in a show that we're calling Boner! Any excuse to say Boner on the air. As always, nerds, we posted a question of the week on our Facebook and our Twitter asking you guys to give us your superhero TV show pitch with a no-nonsense, one-word title, i.e. Arrow, Smallville, Amazon, or Boner. Joe Patrick, what are all our new Twitter followers and Facebook friends saying? Well, the first response was from Aaron Myers, king of Ask a Nerd and frequent THN contributor. Yeah, THN love slave, Aaron Myers. His title, his one word title is Rom, half man, half machine, all hero. Oh, you got to call it Space Night. I would love it. Got, I would totally watch that. I would watch a Rom too, show. But you got to call it Space Night. Uh, yeah, you got to. Because every, it's like always like, you know, some loose thing that has something to do with the character. I love Rom. Dwight Brown on Facebook says Gotham. It could be a series based on the Gotham Central uh, comic series or an entirely different show dealing with the other heroes that populate the city. That sounds rad. That's not bad. And something like that was pitched a while ago, but it was going to be like young Batman Smallville type thing. It fell through, I think. But it wasn't called Gotham. It was called something else. I would watch a Gotham Central TV show. That's for sure. I would too. Definitely. <laughs> and... I'm going to read this one from Roderick Ruth, even though he did not stick to the rules. Oh, boy. His idea for a TV show is the Jamie Madrox Project. (laughs) Everyone's favorite multiple man running around playing pranks on celebrities. And the catchphrase is, you've been duped. I love it. (laughs) Oh, you you cannot contain Roderick Ruth. Excellent work, sir. It's review time on THN, where each week we mount our high horses and look down on people far more talented than we are and smash our opinions of two of this week's new comics into your head holes. Matt, 
What did you read this week? This week I read Green Lantern Zero from DC Comics, written by Jeff Johns with art by Doug Mankey. The solicit wasn't much. The introduction of a surprising new Green Lantern. And where are Hal Jordan and Sinestro? I hate the bullet points. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. As you all know, DC is flooding the market with 52 zero issues, whether we like it or not, some of which have been very effective. Others I'm starting to wonder about. Now, I would argue that this one was not a very effective zero issue because it really doesn't set anything up that led into the series. But that said... What do you mean? Let me give you the rest of my review, and I think you'll see. Had the Democratic National Convention not taken place this week, the cable news cycle would have undoubtedly grabbed a hold of the fact that DC was unveiling a new Muslim Green Lantern, and they would have ran slightly different directions with the story based on whether they worked for Fox or any of the other networks that actually tried to report news. When I read the solicitation for this comic two months ago, the cynic in me instantly thought this was a desperate headline grab and an attempt to sell a few more comics than usual, but I was totally and completely wrong. The new GL, he is a Muslim. He's of Arab descent, but he's by no means a devout Muslim. He's not a sweetheart pinnacle of society or, you know, working in a temple or thing. He's a car thief. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's just a guy. Johns and Mankey handle this story with such grace and comic storytelling mastery that when the story finally does change back to the Hal and Sinestro part, it felt so violent that it was kind of out of place. <laughs> like, I didn't even know what the hell was going on. It's like, what? The story opens with Baz, our main character. And he's a child, and he's watching a plane crash in the World Trade Center on TV. This is obviously September 11th, 2001, and his parents are crying in the background. We then see these little Muslim kids outside an Islamic center trying to scrub racist graffiti, like, go home, Arab, or whatever, off the wall. It flashes forward five more years. We see Baz getting beat up by white bullies. It flashes forward ten years, and we see him, I think it's, like, in the airport or something. Yeah, he's getting... They've pulled him out of line, and he's being... A random check. Yeah, a random check. And it just sort of shows how the terrorist attack steered his life indirectly. And I think it's a really interesting way, not necessarily to say we're the bad guys or white people are the problem or anything like that, which you could spin this in that direction, but more that there were other victims of this and they were normal Americans of Muslim descent that are not terrorists, that were just living in the United States who were punished for the color of their skin. And Baz ended up in a bad place because of it. He ended up a thief. We see him stealing a car that just happens to have a bomb in it. Now that I hope they address why he's... Why was there a bomb in that car? Yeah, I have a feeling there's something there that we're going to go to. Yeah, it, it'll all hinge on whether or not they don't just let that plot point fade away. Right. You do otherwise, need... then, yeah, it's gimmicky. It is gimmicky. But he gets arrested after, like, realizing there's a bomb in the car and trying to ditch it. He gets arrested. He gets extradited somewhere, black bagged, essentially. Yeah, Guantanamo. Yeah, and questioned as a terrorist. And suddenly, he's freed. By a Green Lantern ring. Out of nowhere. Yeah, like they're seconds away from waterboarding that dude. Yeah, but when it hits him, something happens. It it just, it says Baz, I can't remember his last name. Baz. His name is, it's Simon Baz. Simon Baz of Earth. You have been found. You have the ability to overcome great fear. And then it goes, error. Error. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Which follows up nicely from the last issue where, um... Sinestro and Hal are absorbed basically into Black Lantern's ring. Right. 
uh, our black hands ring and um, their their Green Lantern rings merge together. Yeah. And Which is, it's flying around searching for a replacement, but it's really glitchy. Yeah. And Simon is the one they found. Something weird is going on, and I don't think he's going to play by the rules of the other Green Lanterns. He's making like the rules and breaking them. Which is kind of fun. Which is really interesting they go in this direction. The whole story might sound kind of ridiculous if you're not a comic reader, but Johns and Mankey do an amazing job of bringing this very highbrow sci-fi space adventure comic down to earth in this issue. And... Doug Mankey, who has just been a monster. He is an MVP. He has been so sure. good. I think he's even better here. This issue looked incredible. I think this was some of his best work. Three inkers. I mean, I, I, they're keeping the book consistently on time, and that's yeah. great, but it's taken, it's taken a, a team of backup <laughs> help to get but it done. But they are nailing it. I, yeah, they I agree. Na- I well, agree. Name one other book with this many people working on it that looks this consistent. Yeah, and every page. I like. I never once had a moment where I was like, "Oh, ink switch." No. Like when I read Justice League twelve last week or the week before, I was some of those. It was pages, violent. Some of those pages didn't even look like Jim Lee. Now, okay, to my first point, as far as a zero issue that touches on, from what I understood, they were supposed to do. Something that was going to take place before the universe changed or led into something. Not necessarily. Maybe not very effective. But if it's just a zero issue is saying, look, this is a side story that leads it's into a jumping the story, on point. A jumping on point or whatever yeah. that introduces a new character. Very effective. I cannot give this a bigger buy it. I love what is going on in Green Lantern. I agree. I loved it as well. And I thought that it was going to be ham fisted and that it was going to be gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Like. And you know what? Maybe it is. Maybe there was like a cynical directive just saying, we need more diversity. Make up a brown character. But even if there was. Well, that's the thing is that you're damned if you're do, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You right. can't create a character of minority descent without the internet going, oh, I see, just following an editorial mandate. Maybe, even if they are just following, maybe that's it. Maybe it came down with, we need a Muslim, whatever, or we need an Arab. They handled it so well. I agree. And I also like the fact that the gentleman in charge of interrogating Baz was not a sneering villain either. Yeah, he was actually a good guy. He, like, he wanted to stop short of the torture. Yeah, he was like, we don't need to do this. But We're not going to get the information we want. Shadier characters within the government. Skinny Amanda. Uh, skinny Amanda Waller, <laughs> right. yeah. Skinny Amanda Waller. Uh, We're forcing it. And, you know... So it, it it did a great job not portraying the Americans as the villains. Right. And Simon Baswell, sympathetic, is not a great dude. He might be a total bad guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's they've already a, kind of ruined that things are going to end up okay with him because he's joining the new Justice I League. Guess he's got a gun on the cover. Though. It's true. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Uh, for now, I am on board. I really enjoy this issue. I'm giving it a buy it as well. Joe Patrick, what did you pick to review this week? My review is of Lookouts number one from Cryptozoic Entertainment. This is written by Ben McCool, penciled by, and I apologize for this, Rob Mama Ertz. Mama Ertz. <laughs> Inked by Mike Norton. I don't know if it's that Mike Norton. I, is, is there another Mike Norton? I, I don't know. And colored by Rainer Petter. A lot of names. Yeah. A lot of interesting names on yeah. this one. Here's your solicit. Based on a concept by Mike Krahulik and Jerry Holkins, the creative minds behind the wildly popular Penny Arcade webcomic, this fantastic tale introduces the world of the Lookouts. Follow these young adventurers as they learn to master the perilous and enchanted Ironwood Forest. 
where wonder and danger exist in equal measure. What men must know, a boy must learn. Ooh, I love that tagline. Kind of man-boy love to me. <laughs> I don't know. As stated in the solicit, uh, Lookouts was kind of a side project from Jerry Holkins and Mike Hulick, better known as Gabe and Tycho, or Tycho and Gabe, I guess, at Penny Arcade. And for those that may not be in the know, Penny Arcade is pretty much the most successful webcomic of all time. They have millions of readers. And they, they have their have, own convention. Yeah, uh, and they have two now, and a third just announced in Australia. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they've taken... We don't even have one. I know, let's get on it. I know. But, I mean, it's a huge success, and every once in a while they'll do a, a, a little something off the beaten path, and Lookouts was one of those ideas. And the Lookouts is basically the high fantasy version of the Boy Scouts. More or less. Sort of the Weeblos. Uh, hey, sure. Where young boys learn the ins and outs of becoming adventurers. And the original Lookout strips published on the Penny Arcade website are amazing. They're just wonderful. And I was so excited to see it materialize in comic book form. I was slightly less enthused when I saw that Holkins and Krahulik were not actually in charge of producing this comic. Uh, but by the end, I was on board with it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, deep in the forest, a talkative sphinx is devouring those that can't answer his riddles. And the lookouts are tasked with taking care of the problem, which really cute sounds like too. child abuse. Where, like the little the little girl stumbles upon the sphinx. She's like, "Oh, neat!" Yeah, and he, like exactly. asks the riddle, and she's like, "I know because of magic." And he's like, "Wrong!" And eats her, <laughs> and then devours the family. Yeah. <laughs> ben McCool's script for this issue is at the same time light and fun and dark and serious. It's really a perfect balance. the The book is a fun adventure, but not Disney level cartoony. Uh, the danger is real. The situation is dire, and people die. Like yeah. th- these boys that go off to fight this sphinx. The sphinx is a monster that's eating people, uh, and they might not all make it. Uh, Mama Earth's artwork. I know that's not how you say it. Don't correct me. Mama Earth. Uh, his artwork is very reminiscent of Mike Krahulix. Mo Mertz. That's my guess. That's probably Mo yeah, Mertz. Probably. Uh, it's very reminiscent of Mike Krahulix's art without looking like an outright copy. It fits the tone of the series as set by the original creators, but it's still unique. It's its its own style. His design for the world and the creatures that inhabit it are wonderful, and every panel on every page is full of stuff to look at. Wonderful elements, weird-looking beasties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool monster. There's a scene where they walk through the marketplace, and there's nothing but, like, weird crap in jars and... Yeah. and they make a joke about it. They're like, where is this crap coming from? Like, it just gets weirder and <laughs> yeah. weirder. The colors by Rainer Petter uh, have a beautiful painted look to them. That uh, They give the book a really inviting warmth. And they're a little dark. Like, the, the tone of them is a little dark. But it's almost like the color itself has a texture to it. And it just really made the book look great it it felt really nice to read it was easy on the eyes it's easy on the eyes uh there's a lot of great back matter with (laughs) with character and creature sketches a really cool page describing the different levels of magus arbor which is one of the lookouts merit badges yeah very D &D yeah yeah and uh, this merit badge it involves the mastery and expertise of woodland environments and creatures. And I love the fact that they're like, now mastery of this subject might not be great for everybody. Yeah, like the better you get at <laughs> it, it will the, change you. The scarier you could be. Yeah. yeah. It, I just, I love that idea. 
this is a wonderful world uh, that the team has created. I'm really looking forward to more. I keep saying I'm not a big fan of fantasy. You are a big fan of fantasy. And this it's is time like- you admit it. <laughs> Every time we discuss a fantasy book, you're like, not really into fantasy, but I loved it. You know? Like, I don't know, man. Admit it, jerk. Say it out loud. Look Onto at- the internet. Look, ass number one is a buy it. <laughs> you know what this reminded me of? This very much reminded me of like the 80s kids movies. That, oh, like, yeah. Never Ending Story, The Goonies, uh, Monster Squad, stuff that was really questionable and probably could not be rated PG today, where we gave kids credit, where we knew the kids understood. They're capable. Right. The people die. Terrible things happen. You know, the world is kind of a scary place, and that's part of the adventure. It's not like, come on, gang, we gotta go stop the, the polluting trolls from peeing in the river, you know, or whatever. I mean, like... There's real stakes here, and it was fun, and it was well-written, and this is a great... I, If I had a, a kid, a smart kid that could handle this kind of stuff, I would totally read this comic with him. This is a great book. I'm giving a huge buy it. Stupid pollutant trolls. <laughs> of course, we want to know what you alleged terrorists and Skyrim Weeblow Scouts thought of these comics, so be sure to hit us up on our Facebook page and let us know how culturally insensitive and outdoorsy our reviews really were. It's been three weeks since we've flexed that comic reviewing muscle, but it's time to get back into the gym for another fast-paced montage where we lift, press, punch, snort, shoot ten comics straight into our veins until we ripple with muscles like a glistening two-headed Hercules during this week's Ludicrous Speed Round. (laughs) Ludicrous Speed! Go! Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt, number one from Dynamite. Steve Darnell and Alex Ross bring Pete Morisi's Golden Age Kung Fu hero back to modern comics, sort of like everything else that's happening at Dynamite. But this is very well written with really nice art by Jonathan Lau and a fun twist in the end. Also comes with a never-before-printed Pete Morisi Thunderbolt story with a forward by Mark Wade that brought a tear to my eye. I have no idea where my emotional connection to this character came from, but for some reason I care. Buy it. Phantom Stranger Zero from DC. I'm still not really sure how I feel about this issue, even though I read it yesterday and I've slept on it. <laughs> on one hand, I feel like explicitly defining the origin of the Phantom Stranger, which happens here and in the DC Free Comic Book Day issue, takes away from what made the character great. Yeah, he should be a mystery, right? On the other hand, though, I kind of enjoy this version of the character. He's the most notorious sinner in history who is seeking penance for his actions one piece of silver at a time. They... They hammer you over the head with who he is without actually saying it. The art by Astro City's Brent Anderson doesn't hurt either, though his art is really affected, not in a bad way, by Scott Hanna's inks. I think I'm on board for now, so I'm giving it a buy it. On board with the Zero issue? There's nothing else, right? Well, but there's more to come. It's the first issue of an ongoing. Oh, oh, oh. Action Comics number zero, DC. Graham Morrison proved that he can inject a perfect sense of whimsy into a Superman title with this story, The Boy Who Stole Superman's Cape. We don't learn anything new about soups, but the story here is pitch perfect. And Ben Oliver's art is better than I've ever seen it. Bravo, guys. I have no f***ing clue what is going on in the backup story by Charlie Fish. What do you mean? I don't have the slightest clue what that is. Is it Valor? Oh, I, shoot, I don't know. I'll have to look at There's it. There's like a telekinetic dude that like this reporter is going to find. They think he's the ghost of uh, whatever farm in Kansas. Or something. It's not Superman. I have no idea what it is. Still, 
giving this a buy it. Grant Morrison, nice job improving. He doesn't just have to be weird and funny and bizarre. He can actually write some heartfelt stuff. Damsels, number one from Dynamite. The buxom cover by J. Scott Campbell really doesn't do this book any favors. Uh, it makes damsels look like your average softcore grim fairy tales book, and it really isn't. Only it's at Dynamite and not Aspen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's the Xenoscope. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, what it is, though, is a mashup of a million fairy tale tropes, given a, a, a kind of a nice spin by Leah Moore and John Repion. The problem is, I had a really hard time caring. Uh, there's so much going on, some lead characters aren't even named, and there isn't enough of any one element to really latch on to. Gotta give it a skin it. I would argue this is better done in the pages of Ferris. Mm-hmm. Right? Planet of the Apes, Cataclysm number one from Boom! I've been a very vocal advocate for Boom's Planet of the Apes comics, and this is another one I'm going to yell about. Artist Gabriel Hardman is co-writing this story that ties directly into the fall of mankind and how the apes took over. This is heady comic sci-fi at its best, although I gotta say, the art was not at the level of Hardman's Please Draw the Book 2. Still, give it a buy. It's Hardman. Hardman! Guardian Globe number one from Image. I love the Robert Kirkman superhero universe, especially Brit and the Guardians of the Globe. I was glad to see the group back in an ongoing series after their kind of mediocre 2010 mini uh, this time, Phil Hester is writing, and Love Todd it. Knock is on art. Both solid pros whose work I enjoy. Hester and Knock do a great job balancing a large cast. Really great first issue. I'm looking forward to more. Buy it. Was Todd Knock's art always this intense? Because I looked at it, maybe I just forgot, but I was like, man, that is intense. Kind of weird. Intense? Yeah, just like super 90s, kind of like detailed and weird. Oh, yeah. His art, I don't think, has ever really changed. It's been a while. Archer and Armstrong, number two from Valiant. This continues to be one of the smartest and funniest titles Fred Van Lente has written. In this book, the 1% is a demon-worshipping cult that believes blood sacrifices to the god Mammon, fertilizes the market, and profits will be shared by the faithful. I love it. Clayton Henry's art is beautiful, and when paired with Matt Miller's colors, it works so well. The interplay between the two main characters is just wonderful. I love this comic. Bravo, Van Lente. Bravo, Valiant. Buy it. Detective Comics Zero, DC. You know what? Not bad. This issue proves that Tony Daniels should stick to his pencils and keep away from the keyboard. The storytelling in this issue was beautiful, and it felt like an old kung fu movie, except the lead character grows up to be Batman. (laughs) Whoops. There's also some nice insight into what Alfred was going through while Bruce Wayne was off training. I'm giving this one a buy it. Uh, Plus, John Layman takes over next issue. So Daniel did not write this one? Just drew it. Did not write. Who wrote it? Greg Hurwitz wrote it. Oh, really? Yeah, who took over Batman the Dark Knight, and I didn't like it. Not good. Not good. But Detective, this issue was nice. Fair enough. Amazing Spider-Man number 693 from Marvel. It's a continuation of the Alpha storyline in which Spider-Man is basically babysitting one of the most powerful new characters in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. And Dan Slott is just so good at this. We see Alpha like beating the hell out of a Fantastic Four villain with a Giganto. I can't remember. It was one of the monsters from Underground. Yeah, it's like one of the the Fantastic Four number one yeah, yeah. monster coming out. He like out knocks here. it out with one punch, and then the, the news reports are like, Alpha and the Fantastic Four took out Giganto, and Alpha's sidekick Spider-Man was there to say some funny stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is a ton of fun, and I think it's going to be great, and it's really cool we get to see Spider-Man like seeing a younger, brash, more brash version of himself, trying to guide him gently and not getting very far with it. I'm totally on board here. You should all be on board with Amazing Spider-Man because it's just been wonderful. Buy it! Stormwatch Zero, DC. 
I haven't read this book since number two or so, and I can see that I haven't really been missing anything no, at all. No, you have not. Uh, like with most of the Wildstorm transplants, it seems like the DC reboot has stripped away everything that made these characters compelling and fun. Yes, and put spikes on their chins. Yes. Will, <laughs> Will Conrad does a nice job on the art, and Peter Milligan's script isn't bad. There just isn't any reason at all to care. DC, please replace this title with something more interesting. Leave it. Powash. That is your ludicrous speed round, and powash is the sound it makes when the Bread and Company extinguish a group of lava men, as seen in this week's Guarding the Globe, number one. It's not the Brit; it's just Brit. Yeah, Brit's his first name. Whatever they called him, the Brit. When no, he they first don't. came around, didn't he? No, Brit. He's Brit's his name. Whatever. It's not a title. He's Brit. His first name is Brit. Eat it. <laughs> Now, it's time to enter the Diagen Sanctum Sanctorum, where we practice ancient magics and untested science to divine the secrets of next week's comics. Today, Zatanna and Madame Xanadu have prepared the massage table and will be rubbing us down with the psychedelic oil derived from the sweat of Big Bear and the Phantom Stranger's urine. Joe, gross. What has the rhythmic beating of your deltoids with the putrid oil revealed to you? Next week, my chosen book is The Shade, number 12, from DC Comics by James Robinson and Gene Ha. Because you love James Robinson. I do, but this is the conclusion of the year-long Shade story, and this issue will be the Shade's origin will finally be revealed after, you know, almost 20 years. And Gene Ha is so damn good. I can't wait. God, I love that guy. I can't wait to read it and I'm sad the series is ending. Matt, what's your pick for the next week? My pick for next week is Team 7-0 by Justin Jordan and (laughs) Jesus Marino. (laughs) Although I'm looking forward to this one with extreme trepidation. All those who are still whining about the relaunch messing with their DC continuity need to step back and recognize just how profoundly fucked up Wildstorm's continuity ended up. They just farted these characters into the DCU and were mixing Team 7 with regular DC characters. I really want this to be good because I feel this connection to Wildstorm's Team 7. But so far, everything Wildstorm has become in DC has let me down. A little worried here, but I'm picking it up. I trust Justin Jordan. He's a good writer. He is good. He's good. Of course, we want to know what you'll be reading, so feel free to use the magic of the internet and shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or hey, send us an email. Just will, send us an email. Will you guys? Come Tell, on. I mean, why is it so hard? Joe, Patrick, before we move along, why don't you give us a few more answers to the question of the week? Over on our Twitter feed, Mikey Z. James says, Horns, a Daredevil series, half the practice, half acrobatic ninja fighting. Title aside, DD seems best tailored for TV. I kind of agree. I like it. Let's call it horny. (sighs) Yeah. Owen Craig, one of our buddies from the Panel Culture Podcast, says suggests declawed. <laughs> Catwoman quits the thieving life and gets an office job with some wacky but lovable co-workers. Hey-o. Hashtag terrible. Can she, can she work in the Animal Hospital show on NBC? Because that show looks so profoundly f***ing stupid. Oh my god. Oh, bad, bad, man. bad. Keith Silva 
also one of the THN love slaves, to it at nerd.com, suggests Borbush, <laughs> which he describes as <laughs> Mad Men meets Marvel Studios in the 50s and 60s. I love it. Kirby, Lee, Ditko, Intrigue, Inc., Lawyers, and Sex, Sex, Sex. That is meta, man. Super That's meta. super meta. I love it. Perhaps the best one, though, comes from our Facebook page from Stephen Kohler, epic science fiction show where every episode is different. The audience will have no idea what's going on week to week, but it will still be awesome. We will call it Profit. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, that works. We really had such a great response, way more answers to the question of the week than we could possibly yeah, read on the air. Yeah, keep them coming. Great job, And we guys. really appreciate it. And, you know, if you didn't get it read, we still loved it and appreciated it. And totally. Keep answering them, because... Keep firing, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, but it's time for us to look down from our holy mountain temple and bless one of the unwashed nerdy masses with our nerdy knowledge. That's right, it's time for Ask a Nerd! This week, McGuffin Stuff asks... I love it. I love the name. McGuffin Stuff. (laughs) Asks via Twitter... Hey! Why does Martian Manhunter have heat vision if he's weak to fire? It sounds like Harry Carey, I think. That's an excellent question. I don't know. I don't know this. Here's the deal, McGuffin Stuff. Heat vision is not the same as fire vision. No, but I mean, it makes, you know, extreme heat and fire. It makes heat... Right. But he's not vulnerable to heat. So you gotta admit that He's vulnerable to flame. Let's talk about the Martian Manhunter for a second. You gotta admit, he is a hodgepodge of powers, man. It's true. And they don't call it heat vision, they call it Martian vision. Let's run through his powers <laughs> real quick. He can make himself insubstantial. Yes. He can shape change. He can shoot lasers out of his eyes. Heat lasers, Martian Super lasers, strength. Whatever. He has super strength and he's telepathic. And he can fly. And he can fly. Yeah. But is that part of He's mildly telekinetic, too, isn't he? I don't think he has telekinesis. Okay, no, but so he can just fly. He's basically Superman with psychic powers. That's just a ridiculous... And shape-changing And powers. shape-changing, yeah. It's just a ridiculous amount of powers. It's true. Um, so, the, But the Martian Manhunter is vulnerable to flame. All Martians are vulnerable to flame. But it's right? not... Well, the thing is, is that it's not really... Well, who knows in the New 52, but... It's not really a physical vulnerability. It's a psychological thing. Right, because there was a while there he was dating, what was her name? Uh, yeah, Scorch, Cin- maybe. Scorch or Cinder or something yeah, like that. Yeah, a Joe Kelly creation. Yeah, and she was helping him to get over yeah. like his fear of fire It's or not whatever. like kryptonite, which like physically makes Superman ill. There's like something psychological. He's scared of it. <laughs> kind of. I mean, that's kind of true. Yeah, I mean, because like, really, we've seen him... When he's surrounded, like when they put him in a flaming room or whatever, he's stuck in a burning building, he just kind of turns into a blob. He sort of falls apart and just, oh, right. I hate this. And you know? It's not that it doesn't affect him. It does. It's it's the Martian race being a, a race of telepaths. Uh, they had like a psychic virus that ravaged the population that manifested as as fire. Right. And so when faced with fire and flame, the Martian Manhunter, you know, loses it. Yeah, like you got to keep in mind that this wiped out his entire population, right. essentially, except for the 75 other Martians White we've Martians, seen pop up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if he can get it together, if he can get past it, it's like saying, you know, you have arachnophobia. I'm vulnerable to spiders because I have arachnophobia. Right. So we're going to put the spider in your hand. You're going to freak out. You're going to pee a little bit, but eventually you'll feel better. Yeah. So he can, with extreme effort, get past it. 
and his Martian vision does not actually generate flame from his eyes. It's just, you know, beams. Hot lasers. That might set some things on fire. As long as he's not near the fire, he's okay. So the answer to your question is, no, doesn't make a lot of sense, but... The Martian Manhunter is a weird hodgepodge. <laughs> the powers. answer to your question is, it was the Silver Age. <laughs> yeah, it was the Silver Age where they just farted a bunch of powers together and went, the Martian Manhunter. And they, I bet you anything, they didn't think he'd stick around long either. Yeah, probably not. And here he is today. Great question. Leading though. Stormwatch. That makes a hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> God. If you have a comic-related question for the Two-Headed Nerd or a trivia challenge for the all-knowing comic book oracle, that is Joe Patrick. Send us an email with the subject line, ask a nerd. We might read your question on the air, and you could be internet famous, just like MacGuffin stuff. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for our return to the internet episode of THN. If you like waiting two weeks for mediocrity and vile language, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, where your star ratings and short reviews are welcomed, encouraged, and paid back with sexual favors if that's how you swing. Huge thanks to our latest donor, Young Keith Binder. Young Keith. And if you'd like to help keep us in knee socks and merit badges, you can make your donation in any amount at the new and improved TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail or your comic that you would like us to review. We love that stuff. Foreign Matter guys sent me a copy of Foreign Matter Volume 1. It's pretty awesome. Cool. Also, make sure to check out the weekly contributions from our very own stable of THN Love Slaves. We've got all kinds of editorial, blogs, reviews, fun, fun stuff. And guess what? I'm finally going to write something for the site. Oh, man. Wait till you see the thing I post this weekend from Keith Silva defending Howard Chaikin's Black Kiss. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we don't agree with all of it. Oh, boy. That's we, why they're editorials. We're going to have to redact some of it. It's going to be blacked out. <laughs> Next week, get ready for another visit from those sly motherfuckers from the streets rapping about hardcore comics over hardcore drum beats. The comic pushers are back to force some highly addictive comics up into your domes. You need something to read? Send us a list of what you like, what you're into, what kind of movies you watch, what kind of food you eat. I don't know. And we will force comics on you and ruin your life just like ours have been ruined by comic books. Well, when you put it that way, who wouldn't want to? I mean, tell you what. And remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. Matt, what's your pitch for a superhero TV show with a badass one-word title? I didn't think of one. You know, I, mine was going to be Wings, and then I remembered that that was already <laughs> a show. And it was going to be a Hawkman show, and it was going to be this, like, fighting Indiana Jones Hawkman-type character. And I was going to set I would set it, like, back in the 40s or 50s, like Indiana Jones-style, but Hawkman. Can't you just you call know? it Hawks? I can't call it Hawks, but that sounds dumb. But then it sounds like you're talking about the, a spinoff of Spencer for Hawkman. Yeah, you know, a band called Hawks. <laughs> Joe Patrick, what's yours? I'm trying to think of some way to come up with a speedball pitch, but it's not coming. Balls! <laughs> come on, it's right there! Tune balls! In this fall to balls! <laughs> about everyone's favorite scientific misfit, Speedball, and his bouncing cat, Niels. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Matthew Owens, who was the 200th person to like us on Facebook. Word to you, Matt. 
I feel like there's still plenty of you out there that have not clicked that little button. It just takes a second, and it makes our Facebook boner look even bigger. Listen, it doesn't do anything to help the show. It makes us feel better. That's right. It it's makes all, us feel like we're not recording this for no all reason. All about the sides of your Facebook boner, folks. Stop saying that. I, we have said boner we like have seven a times. <laughs> podcast. Until next time. Brett Merriman stopped commenting. I think he stopped listening. Maybe. Or maybe he killed himself. <laughs> he didn't kill himself. Suicide jokes. Boners and suicide jokes, folks. That's what we do best. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. It's good to be back, baby. Welcome back, I guess. I know you like that. I know you like that.